Hey y'all, this is Chris Roth here with Bushido Squirrel with your weekly knock activism wrap-up. Today we're going to be talking mostly about the recent meetings of the Board of Soups, but we've also got a couple of other updates for you surrounding Project Roomkey, a local congressional race that we've been talking about on and off for a long, long time long time, uh, along with a massive unfolding corruption case at City Hall, a number of them actually, and of course an update on the coronavirus situation. But first, how is month uh, three, <laughs> Jesus, uh, of quarantine going off, going for you, Bushido? Uh, it's going all right. Uh, it, I gotta say, uh, we have given up on it. Like as a society here in LA, <laughs> like we have just decided that quarantine and lockdown is no longer for us. Uh, my neighbors had a party last night. Uh, my roommates even had one of our drunk neighbors over. Um, so I think people have just kind oh of decided that they're done with it and they don't care. And based on the amount of traffic, like I got stuck in bumper to bumper traffic on Wednesday morning uh, because I had to run out to the one of the wholesalers we used to get supplies for like the mutual aid mm -hmm. project. 7 a.m. on the mm -hmm. 101, I was stuck in traffic for like 10 minutes. Um, not a good sign uh, at all. Uh, so yeah, this is, uh, this is going to suck when the next wave comes. And I've tried explaining that to a bunch of folks who are like, no, it's fine. It's like, well, I'm just going to sort of like keep doing my reclusive hermit thing. But on the topic of mutual aid, I should point out, uh, that we've done over 400 deliveries at this point. We have raised over $160,000, uh, and we're still plugging along. If you do want to help us out, I'm going to go ahead and put the link, um, for the GoFundMe, or if you want to uh, sign up, uh, bit.ly mutual aid LA. Um, that is the place where you can go to offer your services as a volunteer or to ask for help. Um, and we're kind of like rolling through it. Um, there is an amazing amount of need out there. And look, I'm not going to lie. Like, even though we've raised 160 grand in like eight weeks, we've spent 90 of mm -hmm. that in eight weeks. True. So like in order for us to really get this project, to make it all the way through the summer, like we're going to need at least double that. And I would say more. So if you can help us out, I know there's a lot of good folks and a lot of good causes asking for, for money right now. But if you want to help directly here in LA, make sure that we're getting people what they need. Please consider throwing a few bucks at our GoFundMe. Again, that link will be in the comments or signing up as a volunteer. We got room for drivers. We got room for remote work. We even got room for uh, some folks to come work in inventory with me if you really, really like the smell of bleach. So, um, you know, I, I, I feel... <laughs> Can confirm it does smell extraordinarily strongly of bleach as soon as you walk into the office. Hey, we, everything there is dead. Like I get home at the end of the day and my cats are like, <laughs> why don't you smell like anything? Um, and I've, I've only ruined two pairs of jeans, uh, playing around in bleach. So, uh, you know, at, at least once the retail shops open again, I have an excuse to go shopping, I guess. Um, but yeah, how's, uh, oh God, you're, gonna, you're contributing to that economy, Bushido. But, uh, anyways, how's, uh, how's your, uh, last couple of weeks of, uh, quarantine going? Uh, it's been, uh, it's been interesting. I've really gotten into this whole, uh, let me torture myself by live tweeting city council and board of supervisors meetings. Uh, it's so literally good. occupies. Well, thank you, but it is uh, it, it is uh, painful. It takes so much time, and you're just sitting there staring at the screen, waiting for Nuri to start the meeting ten minutes late, as she always does, and getting to hear the same hold music over and over and over and over again, and like without fail. It's just like when's the when's the handpan song coming on, and then it comes on, and you go, okay, I'm done with the handpan song. Like let's let's get back to. The, Hearing a bunch of uh, a bunch of boomers mostly who have no idea how to use Zoom, and their staff who don't realize when the mics are hot, and discussions of lunches, discussions of all sorts of other random stuff, random blasting of music. It's it's just 
it's chaos, but it is also kind of fun to watch like John Lee get dunked on by all of the rest of the council members when they refuse to support his amendments for anything. Uh, and just there was a really great kerfuffle a week and a half ago of David Rue being extraordinarily confused about what was going to be happening with a motion where he tried to get a second to bifurcate something and no or no, he tried to. Uh, Bonin uh, uh, took an amendment as friendly. Rue was the co-author on the motion. Rue didn't think it was friendly. And then Rue tried to like oppose progression through the rest of the process. And nobody was having any of it. Nobody wanted to help him. Nobody did anything. It was just like constant confusion for a solid like five minutes. They had to get like the clerk in there and a bunch of other people to like go through the procedure of like what it is. How do they resolve this issue? Thoroughly entertaining confusion, and it was just a bit of a shit show. But did he get his uh, lunch? But we'll get more. Uh, he did eventually get his lunch. I actually, oddly, also had his chief of staff uh, comment on that tweet about the being caught on a hot mic about lunch, which was entertaining. It's like, okay, cool. So apparently the staffers are also reading what I'm writing about them. Um, yay. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, you and I have discussed privately in our, our DMs uh, some of the weird follows I've been getting. Um, oh which, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess they, I don't think that they quite realize how to connect the dots between like the knock.la account and then my personal account where I I'm, I'm, guess I'm probably not quite as spicy as I, I get when I'm on the knock. Account. Hey, if you are, if you are um, a city hall staffer that's watching us, you are obligated to uh, subscribe to the ground game channel. So kick us a few bucks yes. for dropping in here and getting your free Intel. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, anyway, let's uh, let's get on to just a quick update relating to Project Room Key, because this is one of those things that has been a, a one of the solitary points of um, like hope when it comes to the situation for the unhoused population in the city and county uh, under the horrible and like just devastating conditions of quarantine and coronavirus. Um, there is, of course, the page uh, on Twitter that is dedicated to tracking this. It is at RoomKeyTracker on Twitter. They've been posting updates constantly, and then uh, they also include these handy-dandy little graphs, which have a very obnoxious scale to them. Um, but the scale is very indicative of how obnoxious the incompetence of the program leadership is, because... Uh, the scale would be meaningful if the project was in any way close to actually achieving its goals. The reason why they uh, scale it this way on the y-axis where 15,000 is at the top and you've got these little blue, purple, and green lines, or cyan, I guess, uh, trending so close to the bottom is just because nobody knows what the hell they're doing and they're just doing a horrible job of hitting that 15,000 promise room count. Uh, to that end, of course, we do still have 44,214 unsheltered people in Los Angeles as of the last homeless count. They promised us 15,000 rooms for the most vulnerable amongst them. We now have 3,245 rooms under contract, which is an increase of 1,039 rooms in the last two weeks. So good job. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's good to see some upward progress. Yeah, well, we'll don't 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 count those chickens yet. I'll get to explaining why in a minute. Uh, there are 2,728 rooms operational, which is up, up uh, 927 over the last two weeks. Um, and then we have, unfortunately, uh, only 1,960 rooms occupied, which is up just 515 in those same two weeks. So 
even as they're increasing the supply, they are uh, just failing utterly to actually fulfill the obligation to the public of actually reaching out to members of the unhoused community and bringing them into these uh, these hotel rooms. So, I mean, there's uh, I shared with my my dad. I was having a, a conversation with him about they they live in Colorado and mm-hmm. it's getting wild in Colorado with the. Uh, complete lack of any respect for public safety. Um, but we were talking about the, the, the issues with how you deal with um, people who don't have anywhere to live under these circumstances. And I was explaining what was going on with Project Room Key. And there was this really like super feel-good video clip that had been put together by KTLA or some, one of the other local news channels talking about a hotel in downtown that was brought online on the 11th, I believe. And they did this a lot of stuff with, um, like, I think it was Lhasa and maybe everyone in was involved. I don't remember exactly. But the point is that they had this great, uh, you know, high production value video set up uh, telling everyone about this. It was fantastic. And it's just like, okay, cool. But, like, they're not actually, they might be getting access to these rooms, but Lhasa or whoever it is that's managing the process of intake is just dropping the ball and failing these, you know, most... Uh, most susceptible members of our population, like they these, they, like they need to do a better job of actually getting people into these fucking well, rooms. I, like I, I don't know what else to say. My big question for the week is uh, the ruling that Judge Carter, the order that Judge Carter handed down, oh, where yeah. he said everyone who is currently encamped under uh, freeway overpasses or basically yeah, like yep, yep, yep. under some sort of like city infrastructure that's providing them some sort of like shelter and shade. Uh, needs to be moved away from those places and into rooms immediately, or at least offered rooms immediately. And I feel like that's going to be the out that the city is going to use is they're going to show up at these encampments and be like, yo, you all got to move. If you want a room, like we'll send a loss of worker around. But if you'd rather just get your stuff and run, uh, we, we're going to start cleaning this immediately and basically just chase people off. Um, and also it's, I, I know that Project Room Key isn't giving like a, a geographic breakdown on where these rooms are, but I'm going to like yeah. go out on a limb here and guess that most of the rooms that are occupied are going to be like motels that are in like less wealthy parts of the city and that like downtown mm-hmm. and the west side where all the really nice hotels are that have gigantic towers full of like thousands of rooms are all sitting pretty fallow except for all of the LAPD officers that are being put up there. Uh, to protect them because, you know, what they really need is more OT and a fancy room at the Omni to stay safe through all of this. So, uh, well, so most of the lights are off. I will say that like, I, you know, living in downtown, I can see that most of the lights are off in most of these towers. So with the exception of all those lights that they turn on in rooms to create those fucking heart shaped logos that you can see on the freeway as you're driving into town, because that means something. Hey, they flew the Thunderbirds over the city for no reason. Oh, fuck that. Anyway, so when it comes to, I, I don't really want to talk about the massive expenditure and waste of capital that that was because it's just like, yay, we honestly, whoever was, whoever it was on the Crown Game account that was tweeting out the meme of the, the, the um, drowning hand uh, with the like uh, essential workers captions on it, that was just brilliant. I should, I should have co- copied that to put it in here, but didn't expect you to make a comment about the flyover. So anyway, when it comes to the uh, the progress here, this is why I was saying don't count your chickens yet, because uh, at the current rate of, of hotel room acquisition, we will have 15,000 rooms by December 15th. Let's just let that sit in. December fucking 15th. Come on, people. <sighs> Yeah, so that's where we're at right now. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah. 
Well, well I was going to say, just to, to put that in some more happy context, let's go ahead and talk about what's uh, happening here in uh, the city of L.A. with Corona and the, the state of California. Uh, I went and got a coronavirus test, like, at one of the drive through things. Um, it's kind of uncomfortable to have somebody just, like, stick a thing up your nose. But uh, I came back negative, so I'm hoping I can trust that negative um, because there's some questions about that. But... Uh, it does look like yeah. the rate of cases is dropping off a little bit, like it's not accelerating as quickly as it was. Um, but we're still seeing more cases week over week and more deaths week over week. Um, so let's talk about where we're sitting as we uh, apparently are going to start reopening here. Yeah, so the, the graph I've got pulled up right now is talking about the number of new cases by day. Uh, when it comes to the entire state of California. So as of 10 p.m. last night, there are currently 52,237 confirmed cases of COVID-19 in the state of California. This is up 24,704 in the two weeks since the last podcast. That's insane. Uh, we had 1,984 new cases confirmed on Friday alone, which is 9% more than on the Friday two weeks ago. Uh, so you can see on the graph here, again, the, the spikes in the daily counts are... are not super useful, but that seven day trend does show that we have kind of leveled off. We're reaching like a plateau, but this is the same thing that's already, we've, if you look at the trend, we've already gone through this twice before and each time it then ramps up and goes to another peak, um, admittedly smaller than the one before. So maybe we're looking at kind of the end of this here. I don't really know. It depends on how much people actually continue to uh, do the self quarantining thing, which as you pointed out, people seem to be giving up on. Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to the actual number of, of fatalities related to this uh, virus, we've got 3,154 deaths in the state due to the virus. 102 of those deaths came on Friday. Uh, looking at the, the, the death count has basically just been a flat plateau, which it's very heartening to see that that is not increasing. Um, I believe that that has a lot to do with the fact that we did take so many preventative measures to slow the spread and allow our, our uh, public health institutions like the hospital situations with uh, their limited supplies of respirators to be actually be able to keep up with the, with the demand put upon them, which is great. Now, when it comes to the actual cases here in the county of Los Angeles, we've got a fairly flat, you know, slowly starting to trickle off uh, uh, load at this point, which is nice to see. Uh, we're down to under a thousand cases again, uh, which is nice, but who knows if this is going to actually stay this way uh, now that things are starting to open up. It is interesting because the mayor's new, you know, everyone must wear a mask in public at all times thing, uh, which by the way, I tried going for a run with uh, a full cloth mask on. It's hard. That was not a very, it was not a good idea. Uh, I think I'm going to stick with the bandana for uh, any running that I'm going to be doing in the future because that I was dying especially because it's nice and warm out now. Um, the actual, ooh, that, that, that's why my screenshots were not working well, because the, uh, I got a full screenshot of two screens in there. So this was supposed to be a, uh, a picture showing just like Los Angeles County in the midst of all this, but that's okay. We're going to look at the all the counties, Yep. Uh, which you can't really see much of anything in here, but basically L.A. County is the one, the one way all up the way there. up the top yeah. doing We're its thing. We're number one. To be fair, again, we do have like 25% of the state of California population here in L.A. County, um, but we still have the uh, the we're the furthest from like the flattening trend amongst the counties. 
Um, and then when you actually look at the uh, the number of like deaths per hundred thousand, you know, the, these the basically the per capita results, we are unfortunately like really just doing still the worst in all of California. Um, a fun thing with this chart, and this is actually something I just realized this morning because I was looking at it and hadn't been paying that close of attention before because the, the little vertical bars that they have, it reminded me of, um, you know, those uh, electrophoresis experiments in biology class back in high school where you would put certain chemicals in uh, and then, you know, have them run out, basically just doing like a, a DNA test, right? Uh, that's kind of what these things look like. But what it, what it actually translates to is that there are these dark bars on the graph that represent uh, increases in the number, of, the number of new cases per day or the number of deaths per day. The darker it is, the more there are. And so you, it, by creating this linear graph of like these just shades of gray or shades of blue in the case of the new cases, you're actually able to tell where the peaks and the troughs are. So the darker it is, the, that's a peak. And then the lighter it is, that's a bit of a trough. So you can actually see that places like San Bernardino uh, have really just slowly been doing this uptick, and they've actually really only been seeing their highest increases in the last couple of weeks, versus places like Santa Clarita, where they had their peak a while ago, and they've really kind of tapered off at this point. Unfortunately, Los Angeles has basically just been this like long, slow trend up, and it just isn't getting any better. Uh, and then you also have places like, uh, what is it, Kern County down there at the bottom of this uh, chart where you see a spike and then it starts to taper and then it spikes hard again, which is very indicative of that whole like, hey, the measures that you were taking, uh, well, you should have kept doing them because something that you did, like as soon as you started to ease anything off, uh, you now have reintroduced the, the, uh, the, the, paras the infection into the population again and it is, the pandemic is continuing to spread. So... Fun stuff. Looking at charts. Hooray. Hooray. Uh, <laughs> everything is horrible. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's kind of where we're at with all of that at the moment. Um, so in, in light of all of this, one of the things that we've, we've noticed is that there's been, um, uh, there's, it seems like LAPD really doesn't have much to do these days, aside from uh, running around without masks on, spreading the coronavirus to everyone that they uh, encounter. There was a video that popped up on Twitter yesterday of a couple of uh, LAPD officers in a Chipotle where they were in the Chipotle with no masks on, uh, explaining to the staff how they encounter nasty shit all the time. And, and thus they don't need that masks. That, <laughs> that just makes sense, Chris. You know, like the guy that <laughs> yeah, the, the guy videoing it um, made a very uh, or, or somebody right next to him made a very uh Cogent observation saying, uh, wouldn't it be good for public safety if you actually did wear masks then? Um, and the officers just gave zero shits. Uh, so anyway, they, they are continuing to spread the virus around like plague rats and uh, they just don't care. But there are tons of them. They've got nothing else to do because crime has fallen by a massive amount over the time that everyone's been in lockdown. Um, but and they still the, feel like they... The helicopters are still flying, like, 24 hours a day. Oh, yeah. And being, like, really creepy about it. Like, this is something I've noticed is LAPD's, like, choppers are behaving differently than they used to, where, like, they never used yep. to hover. And now I see them hovering all the time. They're also flying yep, yep. way below the deck. Like, they're flying at, like, 500 feet over the city, and I can't figure out why. Um, and also, so like, you know they're there. It's, it's also super illegal. Like, they're not supposed to be that low. Like, the <laughs> FAA regulations still apply to them. Not that LAPD gives two shits, 
Um, but it's just, you know, again, it costs about $10,000 an hour to run one of those choppers. And we generally have three of them in the air at any given time and a maximum of six of them in the air. So like we're burning upwards of 60 grand an hour just to run these fucking helicopters. Yeah. yeah and actually, Nicole just hopped into the chat and said 24-7 in K-Town. And that reminds me, actually, Nicole, I saw in your tweets talking about the fact that these helicopters have been just circling overhead in your neighborhood uh, basically just harassing the neighborhood and the community there because LAPD feels that they need to you know, get in on that shit and make everyone f- know that they are present and being watched and, hey, don't, don't step out of line because we're there to watch you. It's terrifying. But the, the context of all this is that uh, LAPD is currently slated to get something like 54% of the discretionary budget of the city of Los Angeles. So these are the unallocated funds that are not you know, predetermined for being spent on paying down bonds and, uh, you know, pension stuff, all, all of the related expenses that are just baked into the system. There is only a limited budget that we have to work with where it's discretionary funds. And of that discretionary funding, uh, the largest by far chunk goes to LAPD. And then, you know, yeah. the next largest is, of course, the fire department. But you know, I think it's pretty universal that everyone says we should probably keep funding the fire department. Well, but the it's question also, really it's, just it's comes down to the the L.A. like the fire department is like less than half of what LAPD gets. Like LAPD oh, is getting like not even one it's point, like a third. Yeah, they're getting like one point three billion. I think the fire department gets like four hundred million in this. Um, and that's also yeah. like they're also <laughs> freezing hirings for the the fire department for EMTs, but they're not freezing hiring for LAPD. Like, and we just had 17 recruits at the LAPD Academy test positive for COVID. um, And LAPD just came out and said like, oh, it was impossible to stop that. And it's like, I I don't think it was. I think it was, it was very easy to stop that. And you could have just shut down the fucking Academy and like spared those 17 people (laughs) who almost certainly like spread it to other people. Like, oh yeah, for fuck's sake. But yeah, I guess, I guess this is a good time to, uh, to transition over into our talk about the, the city's budget, which, uh, Mayor Garcetti released, uh, just after his state of the city address. Uh, it's pretty brutal as we talked about with like lots of cuts to social services, to the safety net, uh, to education, to basically anything that's not police. There's, there's chops coming. Sidewalks, trees. Yeah. He, uh, just absolutely, uh, zero budgeted the climate emergency management office, which like, fuck you. I sat in on lobbying meetings for that. Like I take that one a little bit personally. Green mayor. Yeah. But then it also goes hand in hand with a Newsom's budget, which cuts climate emergency spending by 94%. Um, so like, yeah, this is all really bad. But so if you want to yell at people, you're going to have a couple of options next week. Uh, the council is going to be having meetings Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Uh, the Tuesday and the Mm -hmm. Wednesday meetings are when you can call in and yell at people. The Thursday meeting where the votes will actually be taken, uh, will not have any public comment period. It's looking like at this point, Uh, technically, okay, they have to, but so they have to have a public comment period, but it's going to be a reduced. Yeah. So it's, it's, they're not taking comments right before the vote, which like, I guess logistically kind of makes sense because there's a lot of stuff they're going to have to vote on. Um, (laughs) Gonna yeah, it's going to be it's going to be bad. But another thing that's that's pretty interesting here um, and also like keep an eye on uh, social media before uh, before I forget about that. There is going to be a lot of tweeting yes. and signal boosting to do Monday through Wednesday to try and like get people's attention and at least build some sort of like critical mass for like, hey, this is bullshit. Don't do that. But another thing that's interesting to note is that the budget didn't pass through the appropriate committee this year because of everything that was going on. It just went straight to council. 
So it never got voted in by yeah. committee. So there might be an opportunity to force this budget back into committee and make it get voted on, which probably won't mm -hmm. change the outcome, but will increase the number of people who can comment on it and will increase the amount of time before this budget gets like solidified into law. So there might be some like kind yeah. of esoteric legal maneuverings that are also happening to try and get this to slow down. But, you know, after what we learned this week with all of the influence peddling, uh, especially, you know, seemingly led by like Weezar, um, I don't think we can really trust council because pretty much everyone in council, including the former city council president, uh, Herb Wesson, have been caught up in this corruption scandal. So uh, to flag real quick, we're Weezar. Yeah, we're not going to do like a huge deep dive into this one because like Scott and Hayes over at LA Podcast already did all that work yeah, and like they did we don't feel like stealing their work, but like go listen to their emergency episode that they put out this week. Cause that's like, it's pretty much everything you need to know as far as who's who, what they did, what they're accused of doing and just how like absolutely crime ridden all of this bullshit is. But uh, yeah, let's, let's kind of get into our like greatest hits from what came out this week. Yeah. So that, that stuff's absolutely insane. But just to re re highlight the main comment period for commenting on the budget is going to be on Wednesday. There are going to be a lot of talking yeah. points coming out about what's going on. Uh, there is a website to check out for some more information about this. It's peoplesbudgetla.com. Uh, check it out and see just how absurd all this stuff is and look at the demands that are being pushed forward of saying, hey, let's fund you know actual services for the community rather than the cops that are just locking people up in cages and are pretty useless in this time of crisis. Well, pretty useless all the time, but whatever. So anyway, uh, let's get to the greatest hits, as you said. So from the LA Times, quoting directly saying, days after federal prosecutors described a Los Angeles City Council member as the ringleader of a, quote, criminal enterprise, a chorus of public officials called on Councilman Jose Huizar to resign. Joe Buscaino was one of the uh, chorus in this that told reporters, that, quote, whatever ends up happening to Jose Weezer on the legal front, it is blatantly obvious he has compromised his ability to represent his district and should step down immediately, end quote. Uh, Buscaina was, of course, joined in his calls on Friday by City Controller Ron Galperin, Councilman Paul Kerkorian, David Rue, Bob Blumenfield. Uh, they all, Bob Blumenfield was quoted as saying, quote, my blood boils as I learned more details about the horrific tale of corruption, end quote. I mean, it's, it's, Bob, pretty, it's pretty amazing that, like, <laughs> they didn't see any of this obvious corruption for the last five years. Like, it was so obvious and blatant that literally no one in City Hall knew that it was happening, I guess. Or they all knew that it was happening. Yeah, so one of the fun things here is that I noticed that there wasn't any quote from John Lee. I can't imagine why John Lee would not be making any kind of a comment about the fact that Jose Huizar might need to step down. Maybe it has something to do with the fact that John Lee is most likely uh, hashtag city staffer B I mean, in all of those. <laughs> we do have to put the allegedly oh, there because he's not named. Allegedly. In, but it's like. Correct. It's like that old game where you, like, describe someone's face and then you just have one person left and, like, city staffer B could only be one person. Like, it could <laughs> only be only one, one person. And city staffer B himself has admitted that, like, he was there on the trip and did some shady stuff and was also then allowed to and go back. And a check. Well, and he was also allowed to go back and amend his previous statements and be like, oh, that illegal shit mm -hmm. I did, it was just a paperwork oversight. Let me fix that now. Ugh. Yeah, it's some absolutely shady shit. Um, but yeah, so the the fact that what what really just gets my 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 goat here is that 
all of these council members are now coming out and being like, oh, my God, Jose's got to step down. Oh, my God, this is unbelievable. How did we possibly could how could we have possibly known about all of this rampant corruption everywhere around us? It's like, yo, the FBI raided both of his offices and his home simultaneously back in November 2018. They walked out of there with boxes labeled fundraising. They had a fucking sniffer dog in there looking for uh, electronic storage devices, little USB like memory keys and shit. Like, we've known that this stuff is going on for a long time. And then on top of this, we had Mitch Englander, uh, you know, copping to a, a guilty plea and you know turning himself in again. Of course, rich white guys get to do this kind of shit where they get to decide when it is that they're going to be turned in, turning themselves in, and going to trial and all of this. If the FBI would have forced his ass to get out there and do that stuff back in February instead of it happening in March, like days after the fucking election, we might actually have Lorraine Lundquist on council and not have to have another fucking special election coming up because John Lee is definitely going to get fucking perp walked out of there or at least is going to have to cop a guilty plea to something. Uh, and I believe it's, um, is it a felony that you have to cop a guilty plea to to automatically vacate your seat? Anyway, uh, his ass is on the line at some point here and now it's going to be fun. But getting back on topic... Huizar said uh, that he didn't want to be a quote-unquote distraction to the council's work, but he's intending to carry on his duties to, quote, protect the safety and economic well-being of the residents of Los Angeles well, and, and we should, during this COVID-19 crisis. We should say that uh, Nuri Martinez has asked him to no longer show up. He's obviously been stripped of all of his committee positions, yeah. which none of those committees... Yeah, like, that was two years ago. Yeah, but none of those committees have been meeting either. And like even when they are in session, they're, they're very inconsistent. Uh, but... More what I'm kind of, like, caught up on is the fact that our only enforcement is to ask him nicely to not show up and vote. Like, if he showed up to vote on the budget, they can't stop him from doing that. Like, there's literally no enforcement here. Um, and it's like, I, I feel like the way that this is being soft-pedaled, like, we're asking him to cooperate with us in this thing as though, like... I, maybe that's all the power city council has. Like maybe that's the most that Nuri Martinez does, but I feel like so, there is so much more that could be happening here. And that there's like, if our city council really cared about corruption, they would be putting some money behind like recall petitions and stuff like that. Like if that's the only way to like flush out corrupt council members, like that's where you should be putting your skin in the game is making that happen rather yeah. than being like, look, Jose, we think you're an amazing guy, but if you could just like not show up in that seat That'd be great. But if you did do it, we would totally understand. And also, he still has all the power in Council District 14. Like, he's not, like, the 15 little mayor system is unbroken, even if he's not showing up to vote at council, which is arguably one of the least important things that you do because they always vote unanimously. He's still got power mm -hmm. to wield in his district that affects, you know, the lives of more than a quarter million people. Like, none of that power is diminished. And if anything, if he's not in City Hall and he's not talking to the rest of council, he's even more powerful because there's nobody keeping an eye on what he's doing. Like, yeah. there's no crosstalk. It just becomes his own little fucking fiefdom. Like, everything about this is so absolutely fucking stupid and terrible. And then it sounds like Weezar might flip state's evidence, which, what the <laughs> fuck? Like, wh who are we, we going to nail it? Like, it, are we going to get, like, one of Weezar's former, like, staffers, like, some low-level intern that's going to, like, take the fall for all of city council? And it's all of them, too. Like, some of the stuff that came out yeah. about, like, oh, yeah. Rue and uh, other uh, members on the Planning and Land Herbie. Use Commission getting campaign donations from the same set of, like, four donors on the same day after voting uh, approvingly on Weezar's, like, pet corruption project, that should be fucking investigated, like, by the state. It, like, yes. that's something that Javier yes. 
Becerra should be looking into. And as much as I enjoy Javier Becerra, like, picking fights with the Trump administration, not really helpful. Not helpful at all. Yeah, like, clean, there is so much more corruption to be going on, to be investigated here. Just like, God damn it, Chris. This is so easy. <laughs> One would think. Um, but yeah, it, it's this, this whole situation is absolutely just insane. Um, of course, we could have the council appoint, uh, you know, if, so taking a step back, they can, they can vote to censure him, um, but that won't actually effectively do anything. It doesn't seem to have any real uh, power behind it. And if we know um, anything about Jose Weizar, it's that he is easily shamed, clearly. <laughs> yeah no he doesn't he does not give a shit um i believe the the phrase syndicate was the uh the one that most aptly fit for what his his enterprise was um but yeah there so basically unless he decides to will like willingly step down they really can't do a goddamn thing but if he did step down then they could uh appoint uh kevin de leon who has our who is our council member elect they could appoint him to take the seat and fulfill it for the rest of Huizar's term, you know, all, what, nine months yeah. of it? But that doesn't seem like it's super likely to happen. So in the meantime, uh, yeah, he, oh, by the way, also collecting, uh, what, $18,000 a year uh, in taxpayer money as part of his salary because it doesn't matter that he's fucked us over and taken hundreds of thousands of dollars in bribes. He still gets to collect eighteen grand a month. Um, fuck you, Jose. Anyway, one of the one of the key details from the article, and you guys should absolutely all go and uh, read the LA Times article, but also check out the emergency podcast from the LA podcast folks. Uh, but quote: In March, real estate appraiser Justin Jangwoo Kim admitted to helping arrange a five hundred thousand dollar bribe intended for a council member to smooth the way for another development project. In both cases, key details in the federal findings point to Huizar, whose attorneys have repeatedly declined to comment. End quote. Uh, no comment. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we'll keep you all updated as this stuff breaks. But again, you know, it tends to come in punctuated waves um, and nothing really seems to happen to anyone. You know, uh, the FBI sat on uh, the Mitch Englander filing until after the election because they didn't want to affect the election. Uh, letting people vote for a clearly corrupt incumbent, uh, I guess, is not affecting the election. I don't fucking know. Uh, but let's uh, let's hop up a, a level on the flow chart to the County Board of Supervisors. Uh, which has, you know, comparatively a, a mild amount of corruption uh, compared to uh, L.A. City Council. But they've been making some moves this yes. week. And also, uh, it seems like trying to keep their position as the most progressive uh, government body in California, though, you know, yeah. there are limits to that progressivism. But uh, they did a lot of work on Healthy yeah. L.A. So let's uh, let's chat that. They did. Yeah. So this was uh, Tuesday was the first count. Uh, sorry. County Board of Supervisors meeting in a in a it it's they do them every like two weeks or so which is shocking how infrequently they're doing these and also um worth pointing out that they still are not allowing actual public comment to be held during the meeting you are restricted to uh voicing your support or opposition to a motion uh and then basically I, I'm, I'm sure somebody is reading the comments but i don't know that they actually are heard by the rest of the public and there is no way to hear them by the rest of the public as far as i'm aware unless you submit a written comment uh there's no trail there's no transparency there's no nothing here and it's absurd that the city council members seem to be doing such a better job of embracing public comment during this crisis uh which is shocking considering how poorly they're doing with it uh but the board of supervisors apparently doesn't give a shit about that so anyway uh healthy la did chime in and submit something like 
50 or 60 um, support comments on each of these measures that was coming in that meets the agenda of Healthy LA. We're talking about renter protections, eviction moratorium, all of these kinds of things. It's, it's, it's actually was pretty, pretty progressive for them uh, in the County Board of Supervisors this week. So they voted to extend through the end of August the ban on evictions stemming from COVID-related inability to pay. They also made some changes to the protection for commercial tenants, um, as reported in LAist when they, quote, unanimously passed a motion to strip eviction protections from commercial tenants that are multinational, publicly traded, or have more than 100 employees, end quote. Of course, smaller companies, those that have between 10 and 100 employees, will have six months after the moratorium period ends to pay back their rent, which I'm still just completely baffled by anyone talking about, like, hey, you got six months to pay six months of back rent. Uh, on a company, you know, on a commercial property that costs, you know, $15,000, $20,000 a month using margins that you've got like 3 or 4 or 5% they'll just, on your restaurant. They'll, like, they'll just make more money, Chris, because we know that like restaurants are, are such high margin businesses anyways. And so absolutely um, famously stable. But actually a question I do have for this one. So one of the, the hacks that companies yeah. like... Um, uh, Shit, what's that burger place down the street from you? I'm, I'm missing my name. Sh- uh, not Shake Shack. No, Shake Shack's Oh, it is. Away. Shake yeah. Shack. It's like that one and then a couple yeah. of other like big companies basically said since our franchises are like independent businesses, they each count as their own location. So they were able to get like small business loans that way. But like Starbucks was also doing the same thing because Spar- Starbucks only yeah. owns like 40% of their uh, U.S. locations, the rest are all franchises. So I'm not really sure if these protections would apply to, like, a franchise-owned Starbucks. I think, well, so that's the thing is, I think that the, they're not, the eviction, these protections are not supposed to apply to any, like, any publicly traded multinational or or large employer. Um, I think the intention is to stop exactly what you're talking about right there, where these big brands would be able to get away uh, with, you know, having the the being basically being for, uh, given a, a period to repay their their rent, but it's unclear as to what exactly like how clear that was because one of the things that had happened was there was a uh, a loophole that had been put in initially with the they just had overlooked it relating to the um, the eviction protections being originally when they passed the eviction protections they were like well this is meant to be unless the, uh, the case of unless your protections are stronger, our rules apply. Um, but they fucked up the language and it actually ended up meaning uh, our eviction rules protect only people in unincorporated Los Angeles or in cities that don't have any eviction protections at all. So one of the things that did get passed on Tuesday was actually a closing of that loophole. So now the rules, uh, according to uh, the Healthy LA call that I was on earlier, uh, those rules now have been cleaned up so that the eviction moratorium is actually basically unless you've got a stronger eviction moratorium than what the board pushed forward you have to do what the board says so that's okay. cool um but yeah in, in in a related motion the board actually opted to extend the rent freeze for unincorporated la properties uh by one month Despite the fact that during that comment period and discussion before they made the vote, the head of the County Department of Public Health, Dr. Ferrer, uh, stating unequivocally that this crisis would be extending well past the end of June. The original motion, as it was introduced, would have extended the rent freeze for three months, 
uh, with the option to cancel it at any time. Um, but of course, Supervisors Barger and Hahn, who are, I would argue, the two most conservative members of the board, introduced an amendment to reduce this protective period from three months to just 30 days uh, with the option to renew instead of an option to cancel. Uh, only supervisors Sheila Kuhl and Mark Ridley-Thomas ended up voting against this change, so uh, my supervisor, Hilda Solis, god damn it, you could have been the, the you know, vote that stopped that from happening, and I'm, I'm pissed about that. Um, but at the same time, Solis was doing some other good things, and it, this was one of the, like, kind of minor things of it. It does, it helps give a you know, sense of stability and, uh, well, you know, peace of mind to renters in unincorporated LA, um, by having that like 90 day period instead of having a 30 day that can get renewed. Mm -hmm. But it's like, okay, in, in the light of some of the other stuff that's going on, it's just like, that's, it's stupid that you voted against that, but whatever, we can move on. Uh, there was a very interesting and testy exchange actually that ended up happening uh, surrounding a report back on the postponement of property tax collection. This was on like a, there was a, a big motion going through talking about other uh, mechanisms to provide some kind of relief for people in the county of Los Angeles. And Supervisor Kuhl got like super frustrated and, and like visibly, I mean, I would have assumed visibly if we actually had any video feeds. Again, <laughs> fuck you, County Board of Supervisors. Uh, <laughs> by the way, doing this with like no video feeds at all, is extremely annoying, especially because they only give you like four fucking pixels and it's all text on the screen. It's like, what am I supposed to read on this thing? It's so hard to follow along. But anyway, uh, the, the um, Supervisor Kuhl got very frustrated with the unwillingness of her colleagues to let her bifurcate a provision of the motion so that she could vote to basically, uh, she wanted to vote to support all of the rest of what was going on but not uh, support a, a, a report back. It wasn't even like a postponement of actual uh, collection of property taxes. It was just a report back on the feasibility, on the viability of what could be done about delaying the collection of taxes. But apparently Q, uh, Supervisor Kuhl really wants those uh, property taxes to be coming in because otherwise the, uh, the county's budget is going to be completely out of whack, which fair, but also... We're in a fucking crisis. Yep. Anyway, uh, finally, on a very interesting note, uh, I guess this isn't finally because we decided to add some more stuff later, but whatever. Uh, very interesting development came out of Supervisor Solis's office, which, uh, quoting directly from LAS here, uh, the, quote, right to purchase program would allow property owners before defaulting to sell to existing renters, nonprofits, community land trusts, or other mission-driven groups. The goal is to create permanent affordable housing and serve as, quote, a tool to stabilize existing communities and counter speculative or large scale corporate purchase of residential properties. End quote. The motion says um, basically this is a, a a throwback to what we saw happening with com with corporations like Blackstone and all of those other uh, private enterprises coming in and just wrapping up so much property especially in like south well, LA. And, and that's this they is this is the kind of thing that would prevent uh like a wedgwood properties who were the villain up in the yes. uh the moms uh reclaiming homes or the the moms for housing fight um and would stop them from being able to sweep in and buy distressed properties like they did in 2008 um so it's it's a really cool idea that like they're giving the landlords that option but i guess the other question i have is without actual assistance for community land trust to buy this housing 
how would they how be able to, yeah, it? how are they going to compete with like a BlackRock hedge fund that's like, oh, we don't need financing, we just have cash, or we have enough money that we can finance all this stuff through our existing like loans. So that's my question Public there. Banks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if we if we had those, fantastic. But it's like, it's one I of know. these things where like the county board's like, oh, it's a great idea to let community land trust buy things. It's another thing to say, well, how is the community land trust going to buy these things? Yeah, we need to repeal Prop 13. I'm sorry. I'm just that immediately puts me down this hole of we have. Okay, so if we if the county had a public bank, uh, that would be fantastic. But the problem is the county's uh, revenue mainly comes from property taxes. The property taxes are stuck at artificially deflated values because of fucking Prop 13. We've got the potential of a split roll, a marginal split roll that's going to be coming up on the ballot in November, and that would be fantastic. It's going to make things a lot better, but at the same time, it doesn't go nearly far enough. It still doesn't stop any of the extraordinarily rich residential property owners who are sitting on fucking fortunes in property and not paying anything in tax. I mean, the uh, the actor who's the dude in The Big Lebowski, he and his sister are sitting on a uh, property in Malibu that they are like one month of fucking rent more than doubles their fucking property tax that they owe on that thing in a year. And that's not even like they don't live there. They just rent that shit out because they can. Uh, all It's just everything is so fundamentally broken. And the California state budget is being it has just been kneecapped since 1978. I mean, we lost 40% of the funding or something like that. I think, no, it was more than that. Uh, for the entire public school system in the state of California because of fucking Prop 13. Like, overnight, it just decimated the, the, the budget. More than decimated. It was, it was took like half of it off. And we're still struggling with that all the way up into 2020. This is a a piece of legislation that voters 42 years ago passed that has just fucked every for every successive generation of Californians. It is why our public schools, when it comes to like the university system, the UC system, the Cal State system, all of those, we're looking at like tuition fees that are un, completely unaffordable to anyone who lives here. Basically, if you're if you have to pay for that shit yourself as a student, like you're you're fucked. You yep. cannot do that. Back in 1978, when this shit passed, you could work a minimum wage job over a summer and cover your entire cost of attendance for a fucking year at any UC in the entire state of California. That's just completely unimaginable to work at like at minimum wage and be able to afford going to any of the, to go to UC Berkeley, to go to UCLA. You, that shit, you can't do that at minimum wage. Like, ah, but anyway, uh, the, the, as you pointed out, getting back on topic about, uh, purchasing properties. Solis said at the meeting that, quote, we want to make sure this, uh, what we want to make sure is that we put, this is awkwardly phrased, in place policies so that homes are not bought by speculators who will worsen and create a market that will be unbearable for many of our residents. Yes, that is true. Uh, we're about a decade and a half too late, but better late than never, I guess. Um, build some social housing. <laughs> um, fun story because this like kind of brings a, a, a little bit of solace uh, to Solis's measure is that Daniel Yelkelson, uh, who is the director, and I apologize if I mispronounced your last name, but also fuck you, I don't really care. Uh, the director of the Apartment Association of Greater Los Angeles was extremely displeased with this motion, writing in an email the week before the meeting that, quote, 
The county is now seeking to compel the sale of these private properties to renters or other entities chosen by the county as property owners go broke. How do these optics look? And like, fuck you, Daniel. Uh, that's how they look. <laughs> like, I, I really, I, I like this. I like this opinion, though. Like, how dare you try and inject equitability into the housing market? Like, how dare you try and undercut our use of a uh, of property as an investment asset alone? Uh, just fucking amazing mask off hours for the the CAA recently. Uh, and it's, it's yep. like, I, I'm still super, super fucking confused about like what their end game is. Cause it's like, if you just destroy tenants, who's going to rent the buildings? Like no one, I I'm already seeing a lot of like for lease signs going up in my neighborhood in like neighborhoods on the West side that were like full. I'm, I'm hearing oh, yeah. some stories about like landlords dropping the rent, not a whole lot, but you know, like a decent amount, like we're finally seeing some downward pressure on rents. Um, but at the same time, like they're not having a lot of luck on that one. Like they're projecting that in the United States, homelessness is going to increase by 45% by the time we're done with like this year. That's Shit. yeah. That's a huge problem. I'm still also just kind of wondering, you know, just what the CAA thinks is going to happen. And I, I know that like their answer is what well, we rely on like Blackstone and other like jackasses for funding. And our survival isn't actually tied to the existence of mom and pop landlords because that's not who's funding us. But it just mom like, it doesn't make any fucking sense. Like in order for an economy to work, there has to be money in the system. And we're in the midst of like a yep. dire liquidity crisis. That's why the fed is printing like trillions of dollars. They're not just doing it because they lost the off button to the money machine. They're doing it because like, the gigantic corporations out there don't actually have access to cash to buy stuff. And if they don't have access to cash to buy stuff, the rest of us are even more fucked. Yep. Uh, but speaking of people who are fucked and don't seem to give a shit about public welfare, what? Sheriff Villanueva. Um, it was entertaining. There, there was a, a bit of a, a thing going on at the meeting uh, that was that did give me a, a good chuckle. Um, everybody it, in the board of well, I think I, I think you should probably I think you should probably set this one up as to what Sheriff Alex did to piss everyone off. Oh, so he closed a couple of offices um, well, the, with no warning. Well, he he tweeted uh, uh, before he did that. He tweeted at the county board about how he objected to their cutting his money, which is always good. Like if you oh. if you <laughs> if your boss has a problem with you doing your job, make sure to tweet about them publicly. Because uh, that really makes your boss like you. Um, that's just, you know, a, a tip from Sheriff Alex to all of you out there. Um, but then uh, following that up, he, he threatened to, to close uh, two sheriff stations, one on the west no, side. No, he, he straight up closed them. Oh, he didn't did he? threaten oh, them. He okay. just straight up closed them. Yeah. Uh, so he shut them down. It was one of them was in uh, Marina del Rey, which actually they can they have uh, they're the port authority. Uh, is run out of their Christ. office. So he's just basically like, fuck the boats. Uh, hey, so if you've been thinking of a life of piracy, the 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 um, <laughs> the the guards are asleep. Start doing piracy. Piracy in the Marina del Rey port. Yeah, go for it. Um, uh, and then the other one was uh, somewhere on what was it in the east side? I forget exactly. But the point is that uh, Mark Ridley Thomas was very upset because it, I think it was in his district, um, and basically everyone was shitting on him because they said, "Look, you know." This, all of the rest of the departments are, you know, coming to us with uh, suggestions on what their process is going to be of, like, what workers are going to get furloughed, how we're going to make these cuts, how is it that we're going to address the shortfalls in the budget. Uh, and Villanueva was just like, fuck it, I'm going to do it my way, and you're going to have to deal with it. And no one was happy about that. 
Um, it was really funny to me personally, as somebody who was tweeting about this as it was happening, they're all like, you're going to harm public safety. And I'm just like thinking to myself, you know what, actually hard disagree there because, uh, taking sheriff deputies off of the street and putting them behind a desk so they can do paperwork instead of running around with a gun shooting, uh, armed black and brown men, um, that's actually going to help public safety because they don't need to be doing what they're doing. Like, let's fucking at least disarm them, um, if not just you know, abolish them all outright. Because, uh, yeah, which is, and this this all also um, comes on the heels <laughs> of uh, Sheriff Alex saying that uh, inmates are getting themselves infected with COVID uh, to get oh, yeah. released early. Um, and doing a whole bunch of other bullshit to try and like show that his yeah. office is still essential and we need to keep the prisons full. So one of the really fun things that they were doing, uh, and they got shouted at for doing this uh, at the board of supervisors meeting, was that they were doing wellness checks on people involved on kids uh, who are you know considered to be at risk. And child services was like, "Do not do this! <laughs> like, yeah, please." So what they, so what they, stop being what they were doing was if if a kid in LAUSD wasn't logging on to their online classes consistently. Uh, a sheriff's deputy and their partner would show up at the house to do like a friendly little, hey, two guys with guns to make sure you're like doing your learning still. Because that's fucking helpful. Well, and for a lot of students in LAUSD, they don't have access to broadband. They don't have access to computers yeah. at home. Like they may not have the tools they need to actually participate in education. So instead of like giving them a computer and broadband access, we're sending two guys with guns over there to be like, oh, you better just like get yourself some more money or otherwise we're going to yeah. have to make this a problem for you. Yeah, let's 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 traumatize people because that's how you fucking solve any problems. Um, yeah, big old fuck you to Sheriff Alex Villanueva. <sighs> anyway, yeah, so um, it doesn't look like his uh, relationship with the uh, County Board of Supervisors is getting any better. <laughs> uh, I don't think him and Hilda Solis no, are gonna not. like hang out after the quarantine is up. They'll uh, they'll maintain no, their social distancing. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I mean things seem like it kind of a mixed bag at the county board level, but it seems like we're getting more consistent progress out of them, even if it's yes. not the best progress. Oh. Like we're seeing more movement from the County board uh, meeting every two weeks than we're seeing out of LA city council, um, which is a little bit oh, perturbing. Yeah. No, the, the, the two meetings that they had, it was actually really entertaining for me. Um, on Tuesday, I was able to, to live tweet like half of a board of supervisors meeting because they were actually doing shit. So their meeting, which started at the same time as the city council meeting, went long enough that I was able to go through the entire city council meeting where nothing really ended up happening, uh, finish tweeting that, hop over and go watch the end of the County Board of Supervisors meeting and get a whole bunch of useful stuff out of it because they were actually doing the fucking work versus city council, not so much. They were sitting on their hands. I guess maybe they knew about what was happening with the FBI and were just kind of like treading water before all this shit went down, but who knows? Uh, it was just a mess and really disappointing to see how little they managed to accomplish in this week leading up to a massive, uh, fight relating to the budget next week. So anyway, uh, something else that happened on Tuesday, uh, was that the Democrats managed to lose one of the, uh, congressional seats that was won in the blue wave of 2018. And, uh, you know. I, I, w I was not up there knocking doors on this one, but I know that you were alongside a bunch of other ground game. Yeah, folks during during twenty eighteen. Uh, yeah, we didn't. We during yeah for for the special and for twenty for this twenty twenty round. Um, yeah. it was uh, we weren't as active up there, um, largely because we weren't really asked to be super active up there. Um, but at yeah. the same time, it seems like it was a real problem. Um, because Christy Smith, despite already holding elective office in that district, and like 
having more Democrats registered to vote than uh, Republicans yep. in the district, still managed to snatch a defeat from the Jaws victory, uh, sending Mike Garcia to uh, Congress at least until December. Because remember, we, we have yeah. to do this all over again in November. So maybe Christy yep. Smith and like the Democrats will like fix things, um, but it's going to be you know <laughs> Garcia versus Smith again, and Garcia is going to have the incumbency advantage. So that'll be fun. Yep. Um, Smith posted, of course, the following statement on Facebook, quote, while it's critical that we ensure every vote is counted and recorded, we believe that the current tally shows Mike Garcia is the likely victor of May 12th special election. As such, I'd like to congratulate him, end quote. Mm. Of course, this was um, interesting. This was like the the entirety of this crisis or of this election cycle, basically. Um, I guess it would have been all but what? So we went into lockdown two and some months ago. So basically, right after they announced that Christy Smith and Mike Garcia were actually going to be in this runoff for this special election, uh, everything got locked down. So this this election was basically conducted with no ability of organizers to participate in any real way other than text banking and phone banking um, and just mailers and mailers and mailers. Yeah. And actually, uh, Rob Kwan uh, at, at Unrig L.A., uh, was posting a couple of very interesting uh, findings because I think he has a relative or somebody or a friend who was collecting all of the mailers that they were getting uh, relating to that race. And it was pretty fucking wild. It was one of my favorite things was that Mike Garcia sent out a mailer that was printed with actual Trump tweets as screenshots posted on the fucking mailer because he couldn't get an endorsement or put something together with like an actual Trump uh, quote on it that wasn't from Twitter. Uh, it was absolutely insane. So anyway, uh, yeah. that's a bit of a shit show and obnoxious. Oh, uh, well, I was going well, to say, forgot. I was going to say for, uh, for CA 25, like this is especially annoying because like Christy Smith, isn't someone that like I would necessarily choose as like my representative, like, She's kind of centrist, but like better than Steve Knight was, and I think better than Mike Garcia will be. And this is kind of one of the problems that the Democrats are having is even when they have like an establishment candidate that's fully in line with them, they can't seem to capture any momentum. You know, like if we look at this as like a preview of what Biden's going to do, we have a pretty like yeah. not stellar, but generally, generally popular Democratic candidate who just lost by a pretty significant like margin in what should have been like a slam dunk election and one in which like the Democrats could have poured resources to making sure that people voted, but they spent almost no time and energy doing that. And that's the same thing that happened in uh, Council District 12, the cost Lorraine Lundquist, the election against John Lee. And I just do yep. not understand what the establishment Democrats are doing when they're collecting all of these billions of dollars every year and losing their easiest races. Like this is such an absolutely asinine way to go about maintaining any sort of power even when like it's like they don't care yeah no well and it's like mark garcia does not they seem, care about fundraising well garcia doesn't seem as pro-trump as like um steve knight was like he doesn't seem as ghoulishly right wing but he still is like <laughs> not the person that should be holding the seat it, it's just one of these where it's a matter of turnout and getting your people to the polls and showing your people that you care about them and the democrats just mm -hmm. don't do that um, and it's, Correct. you know, it's a little bit too soon to see exactly how these votes broke down. I'm sure we'll see in the next couple of weeks once the, the election is fully certified. Uh, but uh, how, like yeah, how it's, I, I do, there's like this, um, 
there's this theory that's been floating around that the Democrats would prefer to, you know, the, that they, they didn't want Bernie to win. They would rather have Trump versus Bernie. I feel like that's kind of like their, their MO for all of this stuff is they'd rather just like maintain their position as the uh, incompetent opposition party and be able to fundraise and make millions and millions of dollars for their operatives, their strategists, their consultants, all of those people that actually make up the bulk of the machinery of the Democratic Party. They make money fundraising off of Trump and his absurdity. Like they are able to just milk that cash cow all the way to the bank. And they don't actually have to worry about seizing power as long as they're made to look like they're fighting for it. They can just keep grifting and fuck them. Like they got in the way of us having an actual possibility of solving some of these crises or at least making things better. And they're just throwing up incompetency after incompetency. And this, this election just further, further emphasizes that for me. But, um, we're going to, we've got a fun little, yeah, uh, I was going to say from, go uh, in a minute, from but, San Jose, we're going to kind of introduce our new, uh, maybe segment, uh, that I'm going to call nature well, is healing. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, and I think we might have to do that, that Sonic uh, video at some point for that. But the, uh, before we move on, I did want to re-highlight the need to uh, participate in the discussions surrounding the LAPD budget one more time. And there was a video that was released this past week um, of the... Like, so this is the body camera footage that was released of that, that video that, that took off on uh, Twitter that went viral where there were folks in Boyle Heights that recorded two police officers approaching a, a homeless individual. Um, I'm forgetting his name. I believe his last name is Castillo. I don't actually remember, and I apologize for that. Uh, anyway, he was a, a, a compliant but argumentative uh, suspect, I guess, uh, who was being detained by the police. And people were fortunately capturing this on cell phone footage uh, and, and, and relaying this video live onto the web because they were streaming the fact that the, there was this hostile confrontation happening, and then suddenly one of the two officers just starts beating the shit out of him. Yeah. And so they actually released the body camera footage, and I, I apologize. Yeah, content, um, content warning. It is pretty, it, it is violent. You don't really see any blood. There's no gunshots, but it's, uh, it's not fun to watch. But it should be watched, and uh, the audio should be out there, and uh, here we go. That's his point. Like, he's he's not facing him. He's not resisting. He's got his hands up on the fence. And as he starts to put his hands behind him, the cop immediately grabs him and starts throwing him into the fence. Up oh, and tasers are out. That is not good trigger discipline when it comes to the taser, by the way. He's not fighting. He's just standing there. And then the cop just starts beating the shit out of him. Yeah, so... Yeah, no, as, I, as I had to note to multiple people on Twitter, like, you're allowed to cuss at the cops. You're allowed to call them names. You're allowed to, like, be angry with them. 
uh, that doesn't give them the right to beat the shit out of you, no matter how you cut it. Yep. Um, and it's uh, it looks like this officer was also involved in at least one shooting um, that resulted in a death. Um, and it has mm-hmm. a pretty like checkered past that hasn't seemed to have gotten him disciplined. But also like we have a really hard time finding that stuff out because of things like Brady laws uh, and the Brady list. Yeah. Sorry, not the Brady laws, the Brady lists that uh, departments maintain <laughs> of their bad actor characters. Uh, under SB 1421, well, we should have more access to that information. Um, but that also doesn't stop them from just putting bad cops back out on the street. Or in the case of Sheriff Villanueva, literally just deleting the Brady list and then being like, I don't know what you're talking about. We don't have any list of bad cops that we can't rely on for testimony. It's like the the fact that there is a police officer's or a law enforcement officer's bill of rights in California and they get special protections from all of this. Like there is no fucking accountability. There is no transparency. It's absolutely wild how much they can get away with and never face any prosecution. And like, until we replace Jackie fucking Lacey as DA and actually get somebody in there to start making some serious changes, this shit is going to continue because our mayor doesn't give a shit. We've got multiple members of city council that are, you know, we've got Joe Buscaino wearing a fucking cop uniform to his, like, to the office at an, an LAPD precinct in, like, a quarantine chamber and, like, conducting city council meetings from there, like... This is a guy who is serving as the, the president pro tem of the city council, and he shows up to meetings in a cop uniform. Like, th- this is regulatory capture at its finest, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Um, but anyway, to get some of the taste of this nastiness out of our, our mouths, um, there is this fun video. Uh, as, you, as you mentioned, Bushido, there is the, the nature is healing uh, segment, which we, we should do something about that. Um, basically there was, so uh, quoting from the, the, from SF gate, uh, on May 13th, they said, quote, about 200 hired goats broke out of their enclosure and ran through a San Jose suburb Tuesday evening in a short lived bid for freedom. Uh, and it was really fun because everyone in the suburbs was just freaking out about a herd of goats. Uh, and let's watch that. <laughs> it's so many goats. I think there's a guy on like an ATV who's trying to herd them and it's it's not going particularly well. (laughs) (laughs) This is great. I don't understand what's going on with the audio of the cameraman, but whatever. Hey, look, there's one of them snacking on the... Snacking on... (laughs) (laughs) So most of the time what they they use these goats for is for dealing with... Yeah, like eating (laughs) eating grass and stuff so it doesn't become like a fire hazard. Exactly. So they they actually had them at um, uh, Angel's Flight for a while dealing with the the, uh, overgrowth of shrubbery uh, all of the native shrubs when it comes to these areas that are not like if the hillside is too steep, you can't really get mowers up there. Or if it's just a wide enough area, they just unleash a herd of goats uh, because it's a lot cheaper to send goats out there to eat it yep. than it is to pay laborers to go and cut it. Uh, and also very effective. So it does also sometimes present entertaining little clips like that of uh, goats run amok. 
Um, yeah, I, so, yeah uh, I think not, that's pretty much yeah, it. Yeah, not a heck of a lot coming up this week uh, because obviously we're still doing social distancing. But we do have the ground game meeting uh, Thursday is 730. Uh, get yep. at us for that Zoom link. Um, I don't really know about anything else that's going down. Uh, I'm going to post some links for the CLDC, the Center for... Um, crap, I forget. But they, they basically, they're like sort of an <laughs> NLG ACLU... Uh, type outfit of lawyers cool. who provide information and webinars about how to protect yourself during this time. Um, as far as things like operational security for like mutual aid groups, as well as like what you can expect in terms of privacy as an activist. But those are really good webinars yep. if you're able to jump into them and like um, get active in that space. Um, and also just like a good thing to be thinking about all the time, because like we live in very uncertain times. And uh, all that being said, there will be a bunch of actions going on digitally this week there's going to be uh we're trying to put together a town hall relating to the budget discussion mm -hmm. uh that is tentatively scheduled for sometime on tuesday it's unclear if that's going to be tuesday afternoon tuesday morning tuesday evening uh anyway what is going to happen is it's going to be a great opportunity for folks to be able to tune in uh hear what's going on understand like the urgency and the and the demands and why this needs to be dealt with um and get everyone prepped for being able to call in and give public comment on the budget on Wednesday. Uh, this is a huge opportunity to really, you know, make sure that Council President Nuria Martinez and everybody else hears our voices. Um, I'm going to call in and just shout at them in general because I can't call in and shout at my council member because apparently he's not going to bother showing up to vote because <laughs> they are all hate him. Uh, well, maybe actually maybe he'll retire. He'll uh, you know step down by before then, but I doubt it. Uh, maybe he'll be perp walked by then. But again, I doubt it because the FBI just has been taking their sweet time on this and who knows what the fuck they're going to do. But anyway, um, there's going to be uh, some fun online action surrounding that. Follow Ground Game LA, follow the People's City Council, follow uh, all of our favorite activists. Uh, we'll provide a bunch of links to social media on that one in terms of how you can get plugged in to participate in those things because at this point, that's pretty much all we can do when it comes to pressuring our elected officials, because you can only call so many times and get put to voicemail. You can only, you know, show up and, and honk cars in front of, uh, honk the horn on their car in front of their house so many times before like the mayor decides to uh, put a barricade surrounding all of the, the grass and plants in front of his house, uh, which is just gravel. Um, but we digress. Yes. Uh, anyway, that's, that's pretty much all we got for today. So uh, as always, if y'all have any events that you want us to be taking part in, publicizing, or just being made aware of, please send us a message. You can reach us through the Ground Game LA Facebook page or send us messages directly uh, at Bushido Squirrel, at Christopher Roth on Twitter, because we're on there entirely too much these days. This podcast and every Ground Game podcast is a production of Knock.LA. You can support our work over on Patreon at patreon.com slash knock underscore LA. Of course, check the description for sources, links to action, and social media links. Thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, I'm enjoying doing this on, on Twitch while we, uh, talk back and forth on Skype. It's kind of fun. How, how are you feeling about it? Bushido? Yeah, it's, uh, it's working. <laughs> we got a little bit of comments on that. Yeah. Thank you, Nicole, for tuning in and making comments on the, uh, on the Twitch feed. Um, but yeah, thank you everyone for tuning in yeah. and, uh, stay safe this week. We'll, uh, we'll catch you next week. Thanks y'all.
Abbott, Freddy Abbott, Freddy Abbott. Thirty and more. Thirty and more. Thirty and more. Thirty and more. 